This week, we're building on what we talked about last week about stories and the bare facts of our lives and looking at how our stories create our feelings and emotions. Together, how we think about our lives and the various aspects of them and how we feel about them creates the experience of our lives. And next week, I'm going to take what we've learned so far about facts, thoughts, or stories, and what we'll learn today about feelings. And I will introduce you to a tool that you can use to create awareness of how you are creating your life. You don't want to miss this. Welcome to Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast with Stephanie Lee. On this show, we're going to talk about what it means to be a late Gen X or early millennial woman dipping her toes into midlife. I'm talking specifically to the woman who sees this life stage as an opportunity to reflect on her life to date and to begin the second half with intentionality and purposefulness, whatever that means to her. Hello, welcome to episode 14 of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie. Thank you so much for the ratings and reviews. It is such a big help to get the podcast in front of people who wouldn't otherwise come across it. And it lets Apple Podcasts know it's worth recommending to people who enjoy similar shows. And I'm loving hearing from so many of you about how much you're enjoying the show and the particular things you find most useful. It's so encouraging. What you may not be aware of is that I also send a weekly email newsletter with similar types of content or an additional nugget to add to what I talked about in the podcast. This email comes out on Monday mornings, and it's a great way to start your week on a positive note. If you'd like to hear from me on Monday mornings via email, you have a couple of options. Go to the show notes page for this or any podcast episode and enter your email address to get that episode's worksheet. You'll receive the worksheet right away, and the following Monday, you'll get my email newsletter, and it'll have a link to the Google Drive with all of the episode's worksheets available to you. I'd love to be in touch with you more often, so let's do this. So a little update on what's going on with me. It's the beginning of fall in Atlanta, and it is gorgeous. I don't ever remember it being in the low 50s this early in the year. But maybe it has, but it's cool and the days have been gorgeous and it's wonderful because we've had a lot of rain here for a while and it was getting pretty exhausting. It was like sort of what we usually experience in the late spring here in the South. I'm in the midst of four weeks of travel back to back. And inevitably, when I'm on these trips, people who are with me who typically just come along for one trip at a time, they'll say, I don't know how you do it. You must be on the road all of the time and all of this They're very sympathetic. They're well-meaning. And it's interesting, right? Because with this lead-in, it's very easy for me to think, yeah, well, we travel all the time and it is really hard. And to tell them that story, which is a really easy one for me to fall into, quite frankly. But I do find myself telling them the other story that I've planned that I tell myself. I'm home every weekend. I'm usually gone only two or three nights a week. And I have a system in place for packing so that it takes me very little time to leave town and even less to unpack when I get back. So I really reduce the footprint of the travel on my life as much as possible. 
We talked last week about the stories that we tell ourselves. And you can see here that I have at least two stories present for me. I have the one story that feels like default, which is about how much and how hard the travel must be. And then I have a more intentional story that I purposefully tell myself and other people when they ask. And I can let both stories be there and lean into the more intentional one when it's available to me. There are times when it's not. Like you, I want to thread the needle of having a big job and having a big life. But also like you, it's a challenge and it's one I'm actively working on. So I'm sharing with you where my growth edge is right now and where I'm working to create a workable solution for myself. One of the things that I find hardest about the back-to-back travel is really turning off. I don't quite feel like I'm able to relax and let down. What we talked about in our episode on focused work and purposeful rest, I really struggle with the rest part when I'm in the midst of travel season. It's like I can't take my foot off the gas until that season's over. I'm one who really appreciates white space on my calendar and kind of stays in go mode until I get to a place where there are no more commitments. But when I have upcoming travel, I think in some ways I just stay kind of on. But awareness is the first step. So this is something that I'm going to be working on. And actually, one of the things that I'm going to work on first is finding exceptions. When are the times that I am able to shut off during travel season? I'm confident that it is happening and I'm not noticing it and really paying attention. So I'm going to look for ways that I am shutting off and I'm going to figure out how I can create more of those periods. And this is a fun tip too. Our brains like to seek out information. So I can ask myself, where are there times where I'm really shutting off and relaxing even during my travel season? Where are the exceptions? And then my brain will go searching for them. So I'll keep you posted on this. Last week, we began talking about the stories that we tell ourselves and how these stories create our experience of our lives, how these stories are in many ways what creates the substance of our lives. This week, we're building on what we talked about last week about stories and about the bare facts of our lives and looking at how stories create feelings and emotions. Together, how we think about our lives and the various aspects of them and how we feel about them creates the experience of our lives. And next week, I'm going to take what we've learned so far about facts, thoughts, and stories, and what we'll learn today about feelings, and I'll introduce you to a tool that you can use to create awareness of how you're creating your life. These tools, thought downloads, and the self-coaching model that I will teach you next week, allow us to chip away at the idea of our lives happening to us. Something I've experienced, and I've heard from some of you that you've experienced as well. This happens when we've allowed our brains to be efficient and to push our daily or routine choices out of our conscious awareness. These tools will allow you to bring awareness to this, which lets you see how you're in the driver's seat. And you're not waiting for anyone or anything else to change for you to experience your life differently. They are also a way for you to think about your second half goals. 
in terms of what you want your mental and emotional life to be like. I would suggest to you that your mental and emotional life really provides the scaffolding for how you experience your life. These tools are going to also help you figure out how to go about achieving or obtaining and developing those things that you want for the second half of your life. It's going to help you develop a roadmap. A third reason, which we spent some time on last week, is that these tools are quick and easy ways to drop in on a daily basis and really see what's happening in your brain, how you are showing up, what is happening in the world around you, and how all of those things interact with one another to create the experience you have of your life. Because, and this is something that I really appreciate about coaching and this tool I'm introducing you to next week, it can be applied to all kinds of things and situations in our lives, no matter how major or how minor. And our life is made up of the small things. It's easy for us to dismiss irritations at home or at work as trivial, and sometimes they are. But days or weeks when you're frustrated with a coworker or irritated with your child or a parent or your spouse, they can take a toll on you. It's well worth it to learn tools to manage these types of irritations and hiccups in life, as well as the major setbacks, hurdles, and losses that we all encounter. These situations are also training grounds to practice new tools, new approaches, and seeing how they work for you. Our lives are lived in the day-to-day, and improving your enjoyment of the day-to-day in itself is a worthy goal for the second half of our lives. We tend to think of the big items, vacations, living somewhere new, changing our career. But making adjustments to our day-to-day happiness can literally impact you every single day. And these tools, as I've talked about on other episodes, are not a way for you to get out of feeling the negative emotions of life, to living a full life with all that comes with it, which includes irritations and frustrations. But they might allow you to get a hold on that a little bit more and to recognize your own responsibility in the situation, or to even say, it's okay that I'm a little bit irritated. I can see that this is happening and it's fine. Last week, we talked about doing a thought download on a topic, just making a list of all the various and sundry thoughts we're having about a thing, getting it all on paper, one thought per line, done. This allows you to pay attention to the thoughts in your mind so that they stop dancing around and shouting and trying to get your attention. You can get them out on paper and sort of see them for what they are. I like to speculate about where they came from. Notice if they're actually things that I believe or would endorse, or if they're other people's words that are in my mind. Because our thoughts happen in our own brains, we think that they're ours that they belong to us, that they may even be evidence of what we truly believe. We think our spontaneous thoughts are flashes of insight. In mindfulness traditions, you'll hear thoughts referred to as mental events. And I like this imagery because I sort of picture the idea of synapses firing in your brain, just sort of being events, things that happen. So could you be having a flash of insight when you have a thought? Of course. But could a synapse be firing that causes you to think a thought that isn't actually true? Of course. Who's to say? You get to decide. 
Our thoughts come from all sorts of places. Family, things your parents said, how they thought and talked about things, things they intended to teach us, and things that they didn't intend to teach us, but that we observed watching how they lived. Culture and society, the values of our country or even our region, things like how women act in the South, expectations of roles related to gender, even faith traditions, things we learned at church or other religiously affiliated settings, even if these settings weren't our own. Say, for example, if you attended a church school from a denomination that you weren't affiliated with, you may have picked up things and carried them with you, even though it's not a faith tradition that you espouse. They may come from things we've heard or read, podcasts, the media, our friends, novels, things someone once said somewhere. And then our brains have confirmation bias. Our brains pay more attention to evidence that supports what we already believe. We also have a negativity bias, which we've talked about before. Because of our drive to survive, our brains will tend towards negativity for safety reasons. And our brains are meaning-making machines. Our brains stitch together seemingly unrelated things to find meaning in them. These are all different places, and it is by no means an exhaustive list of where our thoughts come from. So you've done a thought download. Maybe this week you had the opportunity, like I suggested, to try it out several times. You've circled the facts. I suspect if you're like me, you noticed you often had to go back and add the facts in. Now you can go a step further and think critically about the thoughts in your thought download. Where do they come from? Which ones are the loudest in your mind? As you read through them, mark those that really resonate, that feel super true to you, that feel important. There may be thoughts in there that you recognize that you're sort of hearing all the time. You're thinking them often in your mind. And there are others that you can dismiss as not so important or really not even belonging to you. Just by doing this, again, we get a little bit of distance from the chatter that's in our mind and it allows us to sift through it from a place of a little bit of remove. So once you've done this, where I'd actually like for us to go next in this episode is to begin to look at what your thoughts create for you. And what do I mean by this? Your thoughts create your feelings. Your stories, your thoughts, are what create your emotional experience. Not the bald facts of the situation, as it were. How do we know? We're going to look at an example. And it's I'm going to use a money example because they're really so illustrative. So the facts of this situation, the bald facts, as I've been saying, the checking account balance is 25000 we don't know if this is good or bad news. Two people might look at this account balance and have completely different reactions. How is that possible? What's the difference? Why would they have different reactions? This is where the thoughts or the story come in. If the first person looks at the account balance and thinks thoughts like, 
this is the most money I've ever had in my account. I finally reached my goal of a two-month emergency fund. Or, I'm so glad I have enough money to pay for this emergency situation. And maybe a second person looks at the account balance and has thoughts like, this is so much less than I thought I had in my account. I can't afford that house after all. That won't last me very long now that I'm unemployed. So we're just going to assume that was two people with two different thought downloads, both about a 25K checking account balance. We're all thinking lots of thoughts and feeling lots of things at any given time. So let's just assume that what we've read above were thought downloads from two, two different people about this 25K in the checking account. So we're all thinking lots of thoughts and feeling lots of things at any given time. So our first person might think, this is the most money I've ever had in my account, and they might feel gratitude or even amazement. They may think, I finally reached my goal of a two-month emergency fund and feel achievement. And they could also be thinking, I'm so glad that I have the money to pay for this emergency situation and feel relief. Gratitude, achievement, and relief are three very different emotions. And it's totally possible to be feeling them all at the same time, and maybe in different amounts, depending on what the person's thinking at the moment. But take a moment and think about how each of those different feelings and emotions, and how they would feel differently to you. For me, gratitude makes me feel warm. I sort of imagine my arms going out as if in a hug. Achievement sort of puffs up my chest, my shoulders slide back. In relief, my shoulders slide down and I breathe out a sigh and just kind of go loose. They feel different. Each of those emotions feels different and is brought about by a different thought. So let's look at our second person. They're thinking this is so much less than I thought I had and feeling disappointment. I can't afford that house after all and feeling embarrassment maybe or even more disappointment. And that's not going to last me very long now that I'm unemployed might generate feelings like dread or anxiety. Again, different thoughts creating different feelings. So I'm going to make some observations here. In neither case did the actual 25K checking account balance make anyone feel anything. The thoughts about it produced the emotions. And then I made some guesses about the types of emotions that would be produced by these thoughts, but those feelings would actually be unique to the individual. This is the most money that I've ever had could produce gratitude, amazement, both. I can't afford that house after all. It could produce embarrassment, disappointment, or something different altogether. And for this example, it was neat and tidy. And we looked at, you know, sort of a positive and a negative example, different extremes. But we could have a situation like this where a third person sees his or her checking account balance of 25K and they're thinking, this is so much less than I thought I had and feeling anxiety. And I'm so glad I have enough to pay for this emergency situation and feeling relief. 
In all of these cases, what likely happened was the person logged in, saw their bank account balance, and felt a swell of emotion. It happened very quickly. What they observed was the bank balance followed by an intense emotional feeling in their bodies. Good, bad, or some mixture. It was immediate, it was fast, and it feels like the bank balance is what's causing the feeling. But what we've done here is to take a look at what was actually happening in their minds that produced those emotions in moments. By taking a look at it, we were able to bring what happened into awareness and see the connection between the facts, the story, and the resulting emotions. So how could this be useful to you? We think that things in the world make us feel certain ways. I saw 25K and I felt depressed or discouraged. But it is actually our own thoughts that cause us to feel the way that we do. For me, this is empowering. Even if I feel lousy, and I think feeling lousy is appropriate for whatever the thing is, I know that it's within my control. It's not happening to me based on external circumstances. To me, that's empowering. Our thoughts are generating our emotions. Those emotions then fuel how we show up, the actions that we take or don't take, how we act, and what comes next. We're going to talk more about this in our next episode. But when we don't have awareness of what we're feeling, we're more likely to feel like we're getting dragged around by our feelings. That the bank account was 25K, and so obviously we landed on the floor in a heap and then ate ice cream. It appears to be inevitable. It's the only choice. Again, it creates that happening to me sense. But going back through and recognizing the emotions and our tendency to act from them allows us again to create a little bit of distance from the emotion and to make a choice to behave in a different way if that's what we want to do. So for some of us, we can take a situation and easily identify our thoughts. Those just come rolling out. But then when it comes to identifying our feelings, things get a little fuzzy especially intellectual types, are going to say things like, I act for my brain. I'm not really driven by my feelings. I'm not really a feelings person. I'm going to argue that we all are driven by our feelings, but some of us are more tuned into what they are than others. And the tuning in process only serves us. So what are feelings or emotions anyway? For our purposes... They are labels that we use to describe sensations in our body that show up in response to a thought. So that may seem strange to you, but think about it with me for a minute. Feelings or emotions are labels that we use to describe feelings in our body that show up in response to a thought. Think about how you feel when you're in grief. Where do you feel that in your chest, in your throat, maybe in your shoulders? If I'm happy, I might feel buoyant, relaxed, open. If I'm deeply sad, my chest might be tight, my throat clenched, and my head is burning at the temples. 
This idea of your emotions showing up as physical sensations in your body may be new to you, but I'm going to suggest that you just sort of notice it and observe it this week. How do you feel anger physically? How do you feel in your body when you're elated? How do you feel when you're shocked? Sometimes it's easier for us to tap into sort of extreme emotions first. And of course, we're going to spend some time on emotions later in another episode because there's so much here. So another issue that may come up for you is that you know that you feel bad or good or kind of up or down, but you don't feel like it gets a lot more nuanced than that. That is totally fine. For some of us, it's useful to be able to label emotions differently to make sense of what's going on inside us. But for others of us, it just isn't that important. And at the other extreme, there are going to be some of you who feel all the feelings, who have a rich emotional vocabulary. You can get to all the feelings and you can feel them and you can talk about them before you ever get to specific thoughts that might have caused them. You can actually take these exercises and reverse engineer them. Write down all of the feelings that you're feeling. Do a feeling download and then try to get quiet and think about what thoughts are generating those feelings. So a little homework for you this week. Keep doing your thought downloads. And for each thought that you write down, go through and take a moment to identify the feeling that that thought generates for you. And again, if you prefer to say up or down, something more complicated, either way, totally fine. If you do topical thought downloads, it'll help you to identify all of the various feelings you're having as a result of a cluster of thoughts that you're having about a given topic. I think I mentioned before, I also find it really helpful to do this in the evening before bed. It kind of cleans out the clutter of my mind, takes all that chatter that's been dancing around for my attention, puts it on paper, more realistically, my laptop, and it allows me to get clear on why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Sometimes I can be sitting on the couch and just sort of feeling a little restless or a little anxious, and I can't really identify why. For the most part, I find it easier to get from thoughts to feelings, but sometimes there's a feeling present and I have to sit with it for a while and figure out where it's coming from. This exercise helps me to get clear on why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling, and usually it's going to be a pretty complicated emotional tapestry of good and bad and up and down. And once I've identified it, often it's much easier for me to sort of loosen my hands around it and be able to go to sleep and rest in the evening. Not that I'm changing it, but that I'm just able to see it clearly and that awareness in itself is providing me some relief. Most often, I go through and write down all the thoughts first, and then I go back through and call up the emotions that they create. And sometimes it's a surprise what I uncover. So go through and identify the emotions for each thought. Now, as I mentioned earlier, for some of you, a better entry point is going to be to make that list of feelings that you're having, and then to go back through and identify the thoughts that are generating them. Totally fine to do it this way as well. I want to know what your experience is of this. So I would love to hear from you. 
You can DM me on Instagram if you'd like. If I'm at Stephanie Lee Coaching. Certainly, if you sign up to receive my emails, feel free to respond. And again, I would love to know how this works for you or what questions you have, or if it doesn't resonate, all of those things, I would welcome a conversation with you about them. So for these instructions on these exercises, you're going to go to the show notes at stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode 14, and you're going to download the worksheet. It'll guide you along with what we've talked about today. But before we wrap up, I would like to turn one more time to why this is important to you. And I'll ask it as a question. How could it be helpful for you to know that the way you feel is created by the thoughts in your mind? I've talked before on the podcast about making choices to do something for a season. Maybe something you don't like, but owning that as a choice rather than seeing yourself as stuck. I look at this in a similar way. If I own my emotions, my feelings, I'm responsible for me. I'm not waiting for someone else or something else to behave in a certain way for me to be okay. And a question that people ask is, doesn't this let other people off the hook? They don't have to change their behavior in order for me to feel better. They're getting away with it. And the reality is, They're getting away with it anyway, and they're adults who can choose how they behave. Your emotions only affect you. They only affect how you feel. And again, it may be that how you want to feel about how someone in your life or something in your life is happening, you may want to feel bad about that. There's a difference, though, to me, and maybe not for you, but there's a difference to me in owning that and knowing that I own that emotion, that feeling, and that it's not happening to me. Knowing you're generating your emotions with your thoughts is about empowering you. You aren't waiting for something or someone else to change to make you feel better. And you're making a proactive choice about whether you're going to act from the emotion that your thoughts are calling up for you. We'll talk more next week about the actions that we take from our emotions. Remember this week's worksheet is at stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode 14. And if you're enjoying the show, consider sharing an episode with a friend, maybe one they'd particularly like. If this is hitting the spot for you with things that are cupping up in your life, chances are you're not the only one in your circle for whom that's true. I started this podcast because I was having so many of these conversations with my friends, my clients, family members, and colleagues. So share it and sign up for my email list on the website and hear from me twice a week. It's been great spending time with you again, and I can't wait to catch up next week. Bye. Bye.